0: Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2022. 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So, this season is all about new beginnings. And there's one new beginning I've always been suspicious of. Maybe that's because it's not really new. I'm talking about vow renewal ceremonies. When I hear that some couple had some big vow renewal ceremony— Sometimes it's celebrities on a private island. My first thought is pretty cynical. Like, oh, one of them must have really screwed up really bad. It often seems forced. But maybe the ritual is more complicated than that. Maybe I've been wrong. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Mm Wedding vows, by definition, are very aspirational. When a young couple vows to have and to hold, whether rich or poor, in sickness or in health, you know how it goes, do they really know what they're in for? Of course they don't. How could they? Often they haven't seen enough of life yet. A vow renewal, though, is something else entirely. It's more than just a restatement of those original promises. It's saying that after all these years of lived experience— I still love you. I'm still in this with you. And I stand here today, ready to commit to all that.
1: I love you in spite of your beauties, in spite of your brokenness. I love you still. And I'm celebrating the fact that you love me still, even though you know more about me than you did on our wedding day.
0: That's Reverend Brian Conkle. He's Dean of Hendricks Chapel at Syracuse University, which I'm proud to say is my alma mater. Hendricks Chapel is the sacred interface space on campus that dates back to 1930. On Valentine's Day, Brian was in the chapel presiding over a very unique, very 2021 kind of ceremony. It was a virtual group vow renewal for 150 people.
1: At this time, I invite all of our participants to make sure your cameras are on. Uh, Unmute your microphones. And of course, this is the part where you repeat after me. Most of
0: them were Syracuse alumni or had some connection to the university. Like Anne and Craig Drumheller, they were married at Hendricks Chapel in 1990 and returned on Zoom for the renewal ceremony.
1: I renew my vow. Be your companion. Be Be your your companion. companion. Your partner. Your partner. We Somewhat successfully had everyone synchronize that (laughs) together. And and, uh, that was, we tried. And in addition to that, we had musical selections. We had a nice surprise visit from Otto the Orange, our beloved mascot, who brought some flowers. To support you. (laughs) To To support you. And to be with you. And to to be be with with you. It was our goal to say let's all in our busy lives, in our lives filled with crisis and struggle these days, to stop, pause, look our partners in the eyes and say, thank you for putting up with me, let's keep at it. There's this Charlie Brown cartoon where Charlie shoots a bow and arrow into a blank wall and the next screen he walks up to the wall and draws a target around the arrow. And I think that's half my job. (laughs) You know?
0: <laughs> That's so well said.
1: How do you draw targets of meaning around arrows that are already in the wall? Yeah. And look, I didn't make up vowel renewals. I didn't. But they are. So let's draw some targets of meaning around them. And and I think, I think that we were relatively successful with that.
0: The ceremony was especially poignant given the pandemic, which Brian says has provided all of us a chance to hit pause and take stock of our lives. For better or for worse
1: it has provided people with time to clarify and and that clarity can go a lot of different ways so I do think that we will continue to see couples coming into a new sense of awareness when I think about my own marriage it's we're we're all playing out of position right now what what, what she's being asked to do what I'm being asked to do we're all rookies at this yeah and and at the end of the day, it's saying, what really matters? What binds us together? And we are in this together. And that's really the only promise we can make to each other. We can't promise that tomorrow is gonna to be easy. We can't promise that the kids are gonna be better behaved tomorrow. We can't make any of those promises, but what we can do is look each other in our eyes and say, I'm with you and you're with me and let's just keep going.
0: main story today is about a couple who've done that very thing. They've kept going. Not only that, they've recommitted to that intention multiple times over two decades. Through joy, trial, dancing to Tina Turner, even a pair of off-putting flannel pajamas. More on those in a minute. Cindy Brown and Sharon McMahon live in Pine Lake, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. Cindy's 64, Sharon is 71. They're married, and they operate a wedding photography business together. Their story begins more than 20 years ago in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, when Cindy takes a job teaching photojournalism and design at the University of Southern Mississippi. Here's Cindy.
2: Well, I moved to Hattiesburg to be a professor. Sharon already lived in Hattiesburg. We both broke up with the people we had been with in dysfunctional relationships, and we had
3: sworn off relationships. Sharon puts it like this. I was 50 years old, I had been married twice, and I was just done.
0: Both of them wind up at a Unitarian Universalist church in Hattiesburg. They meet each other as part of a larger social group.
3: I didn't really know Cindy that well at all, but I kind of noticed her because I was like, she is so much fun. And funny, and she gets me. She understands my sense of humor. I asked Cindy about her first impressions of Sharon. I
0: thought she was odd. (laughs) That's not what I thought you were going to say.
2: Why? Why odd? Well, she is odd. (laughs) She's just a uniquely interesting person who sometimes what she does when she's around people... Instead of having a normal conversation, she says things just to see how people will react to what she says.
0: Sharon's a therapist when they meet. She's fascinated by people's behavior. So this is like how she operates. At first, Cindy says, Sharon doesn't seem like her type. It
2: was kind of strange. It was not romantic. It was not romantic. And then, bam, it was romantic.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: It wasn't a gradual thing. We were all hanging out together and she kept coming by where I was living and, you know, we were just hanging out as friends. And then I said, you know, I don't want to get in a relationship, but I miss sleeping with somebody, not having sex, but I just miss sleeping with somebody. And she's like, yeah, I do too. And then we kind of
0: dropped it. But this idea of snuggling, it soon comes up again. Sharon says one day, look, why don't I just come over tonight?
3: And she came out, she got, I got ready for bed and I was in the bed and she came in and she had these red plaid flannel pajamas on. And I was like, I'm not going to do anything. You can just, you know, you don't have to wear those pajamas.
0: Over the next week, Sharon says, their little social group is rife with crushes and sexual angst. One day, Sharon's hanging out in a friend's backyard.
3: I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this, all these crushes and everything. She was like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to get with Cindy tonight. The sexual tension is just killing me. The
2: next Wednesday night, she called and said, I'd like to come over and sleep together again. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And she said, well, I'm already on my way. (laughs) And she got there and made a move. And I was like, I have to get up and get a glass of water. And I went to the kitchen and I
3: came back and that was it.
0: Sharon says this connection with Cindy, it feels spiritual.
3: I had never liked somebody as smart as she was. And her intellect was just the biggest turn on to me. She, I don't know, when she got kind of in her professorial mode and talking and everything, it was just, I was like, wow. I fell in love with her intellect and her spirit before there was anything physical. As
0: of the second Wednesday sleepover in the spring of 2000, Cindy and Sharon are officially a thing. Their relationship gets serious pretty quickly. And not just in terms of their commitment to each other. Cindy is struggling with depression and trying to find the right treatment.
2: When I had moved to Hattiesburg, I went into this deep, dark place where I just—I'd get up in the morning, I'd take a shower, and I'd cry. I'd go walk around the neighborhood for an hour and I'd cry. I—I I was a professor. I went and did the job. I'd go back to my office and I would cry. I was in a really dark place.
0: Sharon is by her side as Cindy starts to climb out.
2: She was with me from, like, the bottom of the pit, you know, all the way. And she's hanging in with me the whole time.
0: The next year, in 2001, Cindy raises this idea of getting married. Sharon
3: is more than a little gun-shy. She's been married twice already. She just kept talking about it and talking about it, and then... We had this favorite place we like to walk the dogs. We're right in the middle of the woods and on this path. And she got down on one knee and she's like, Would you please marry me? And I was like, Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I just, I don't want to mess this up. And then a couple months later, she did it again to the same spot. She was like, Please, please marry me. And I was like, No, I just, you know, I was just, I just didn't want to mess up what we had going on. But
0: Cindy finally wears her down. Sharon says, "Okay, you win. We can have the wedding, but you have to plan it. So Cindy gets to work. (music) Marriage equality is still some years away at this point, but civil unions are allowed in Vermont. Cindy plans a ceremony in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom for October of 2001. She gets the rings. She hires a bagpiper. She finds a Unitarian minister to perform the ceremony. They reserve the honeymoon suite at the Highlands Inn, a gay-friendly establishment nearby in New Hampshire.
2: They had a map in the dining area that had pins of people who'd come from around the United States to have a civil union because people stayed there because it was an obvious safe place to stay. So there were, yeah, were pins from Chicago and Atlanta and, you know, a lot of places, but there, were, there was no pin from Mississippi until we, until we put the pin in Hattiesburg. The leaves were in full color. It was gorgeous. The actual ceremony was on a stream There were rocks. There was a little tiny waterfall. And the bagpiper stayed up on a cliff and
3: played the bagpipe.
0: For Sharon, this wedding feels different.
3: Just inside of me was just shaken. I was so excited. I had just never felt like I did with Cindy. I I just had, had never loved anybody the way I loved her. I'd never had anybody loved me the way they did, the way she did. Cynthia and Sharon
0: have a bit of family at the ceremony, along with a few friends.
3: What do you remember
0: of the vows?
2: We wrote our own vows. And some of the vows were silly vows. One of the vows, vow number seven. I remember it's vow number seven because we painted a chest with with stuff on it, and I painted Something that kind of resembles Sharon pushing a lawnmower with a glass of ice water. Because one of my vows was I would bring her ice water whenever she was out working in the yard. The other vows were things like, you know, we'll
3: stick together if they're thick and thin. At the time, uh, my hearing wasn't that great. And I had just gotten really tired of trying to understand all the Yankee accents and everything. And then she said, I'll change NPR when you get tired of hearing the Yankee accents. And I I couldn't believe she said that as a vow, as our wedding vow. (laughs) You should have seen the minister's face.
0: Cindy and Sharon return home to Mississippi, now bound to each other by their civil union and by the promise of their deepening relationship. But... Life soon deals them some pretty big changes. They move to another city. They change careers. And they face a frightening moment that threatens to derail the whole thing. All of it tests the vows that Cindy and Sharon had made to each other on that fall day in Vermont. More of their story when we come back. Okay, we're back. As a photographer, Cindy works on this project on religious diversity in Mississippi. That stirs an intense interest in how people worship. She actually decides to stop teaching and goes to seminary in Atlanta. Sharon stays in Hattiesburg. Cindy makes the nine plus hour train trip back and forth on weekends. One weekend, about a year into seminary, Cindy's back home in Mississippi. She's been hired to shoot a wedding, and Sharon is helping Cindy do the photography. They're getting dressed. That's when Sharon notices something.
3: I'll never forget this because the house we lived in was a 1940s house, and the whole wall on two sides were windows. Light would just pour into that room. And I looked at her across the room when we were getting dressed, and I said, oh my God, you've got a lump. I could see the lump in her breast. And I was like, oh, my God, she's got cancer. I just knew that she had cancer. And I went in to take a shower, and I cried and cried in the shower.
0: Do you remember what it was like to be at a wedding right after sort of figuring this out together?
3: I think that I was just stunned, just going through the motions of taking the photographs It's hard to explain that nothing changed because this was just something else that we were going to go through together.
0: It's 2007 by this point. Sharon moves to Atlanta so she and Cindy can be together. And so they can support each other as Cindy begins radiation and chemotherapy. their relationship soon crosses another threshold when they decide to officially start a wedding photography business together. To Cindy, this idea springs from that same fascination with worship and ritual.
3: I used to call her Saint Cindy because she just has a heart of gold and she's just such a good, good person. And she'd say, don't call me that, don't call me that. And I'm like, but you are, you're just a saint. And then we got in business together and I, I haven't felt the need to call her Saint Cindy since then. She's not a saint anymore. <laughs> Once you go into business, people will say, well, "How was it like being together 24 hours a day and you know working together and doing you know?" And I said, "You know, 98 percent of the time it is great, but that two percent it is tough." And I think she feels the same way. We run it just like a business. I'm the CFO. I am charge all the finances. And she she has to come and presents. If she wants to buy something big, she comes and she presents it to me. And my question is always, how is spending this money going to make money for us? And it has to make sense to me.
0: Sharon also does some shooting and helps with lighting and logistics when they work events.
3: I have
2: anhydrosis, which means I don't sweat. So especially here in Atlanta or Mississippi, if it gets really hot, I have to be very careful to drink a lot of water, splash water all over my face. In the hot weather, she looks after me to make sure my face is not turning too red. (laughs) that I'm taking care of myself. She's my keeper.
0: (laughs) By 2012, Cindy's cancer is in remission. They're supposed to shoot this wedding of friends up in Scarsdale, New York. Sharon's sister and niece, who live in Connecticut, say, why don't you two get married here, on the way? Because same-sex marriage is now legal in Connecticut. Sharon's sister is friends with a judge who lives in this beautiful house on Long Island Sound they're two-for-two in terms of gorgeous places to exchange vows. Cindy remembers it this way.
2: We went to the judge's house and had the ceremony and watched people uh, windsurfing on the sound. Yeah, it was pretty awesome.
0: (laughs) Do you remember at all what it felt like to sort of do this again? Like, having done it in Vermont, like, to do this again after, at that point, having what, uh, more than 10 years of relationship under your belt?
2: It felt rock solid. It was even more of a celebration than the first time. I mean, the first time was this huge celebration, but this time it really was a fulfillment of this time we had together
0: Sharon, who'd been so reluctant to even do the first ceremony, found meaning in the second one, too.
3: I'm getting really choked up because it was different. And I didn't know it was going to be different until we actually were having the ceremony. And I just, I started crying because it was legal. Mm-hmm. It was so emotional. I I just, it overwhelmed me and I never saw that coming. It was something that I never thought that we could do. I just thought it doesn't get any better than this. It scared me to death when I fell in love with her. It really did because I had never been that vulnerable in my life and then to have spent 12 years with her to see how generous she is and and how loving she is and how steadfast and it really solidified what was already going on in our relationship
0: a couple of years after cindy and sharon's connecticut wedding a third opportunity to honor their bond Comes out of nowhere. The coffee company, Keurig, has teamed up with an Atlanta bridal show to give away four weddings on December 13th, 2014. Or, if you can picture it, 12, 13, 14. A friend of Cindy's who works at the bridal show says to her, Do you know any same sex couples who might want a free wedding? But it's pretty short notice. Cindy thinks, Wait, what about us? We could do a vow renewal. So Cindy and Sharon record this impromptu submission video and send it in.
3: I'm Sharon. And
2: we would like to get married and or have a vow renewal. And we feel like ours is a once in a millennium love. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They wind up winning one of the four slots.
2: They gave us this souped-up Keurig, which we... Ended up giving away because we don't drink coffee. <laughs> My mom at the time lives in an assisted living facility, so we took it for the caretakers.
0: That is a very nice use of, of a Keurig. Cindy and Sharon are excited about this vow renewal because unlike the civil union in Vermont and the wedding in Connecticut, this ceremony will be at the Margaret Mitchell House in Atlanta among their community. They get to invite up to 25 people. They ask a friend, the Reverend Kim Jackson, now a state senator in Georgia, to marry them. When Kim gets to the actual vows, there's a slight problem.
2: Kim asks us where our vows are, and we look at each other. (laughs) We don't have the vows. I think maybe she said, what are you going to do? And we said we'll wing it.
0: But the most memorable part of the event is the dancing. A friend had choreographed a dance for Cindy and Sharon to perform to Tina Turner's version of Let's Stay Together.
3: I had to teach Cindy how to dance. She didn't really know how to dance when I met her. And we dance all the time. While we're inside the house, you know, if a song comes on, I'll go get her and we'll start dancing.
2: We spent time practicing the dance and learning the dance. And that was as intentional a thing as we had done for any of the commitments. It was, it was very much a musical movement filled ceremony
0: let's stay together turns out to be the perfect anthem for a relationship that has endured all these years a relationship that Cindy and Sharon have re-upped over and over you went into this relationship falling madly in love but thinking I don't need to mark this occasion you know like that was your first thought of I don't need to get married I, you know the Cindy asked twice it sounds like and you were like uh oh, you know I don't need to do this and yet you wind up celebrating it three times. And maybe more to come. Who's to say, right? For couples that might not see the importance of the ritual of it, what what did it bring to you that, that you hadn't quite thought
3: it would? I think the most important part about having a marriage or a ceremony or vow renewal is the witnesses. There's something about having people that love you and are just there for you. It was performative
2: to a certain extent. I mean, any any wedding or civil union is performative to a certain extent. You're getting in front of people and you're saying, hey, look at us. We are a thing. We're gonna stay a thing. And then then the we did it again. We're still a thing. And then we did it again. Yeah, we're still a thing. And we're gonna keep being a thing.
0: Hearing Cindy and Sharon talk about this, and what all these ceremonies mean to them, makes me think that, yes, I have been a little too judgy about vow renewals. I guess I thought of them as people wanting to wipe the slate clean, or to band-aid mistakes, or sometimes little more than an excuse for presence and attention. But when I really think about it, for couples like Cindy and Sharon, and no doubt for all those Syracuse couples you heard at the start of the episode— This exercise of validating and recommitting to love and companionship isn't really about a reset. It's about setting an intention to keep going. It's just about saying, let's stay together.
2: The photographs from every occasion have the same joy and excitement in them. The people have changed. The people I see are I guess, more mature,
3: although I don't really feel that I'm that mature now, so. You just have to have the love as your foundation, and then you can get through anything. There's so much experiences that we've shared together, and so many inside jokes, and we just have fun. You know, when we have pillow talk at night, that's One of my favorite things is to like I'm just about in the middle of going to sleep and she'll say something. And and it'll take me two or three beats to realize just how nuts whatever it was that she said was. And then I'll start laughing and I can't quit.
0: Thank you so much for telling your story.
3: You are so welcome. I'm really excited to be able to share all this with people because, you know, it's, it's all about the love. I really enjoyed being here. Thank
2: you, Meredith.
1: I wouldn't want to dance without you. Without you, I would rather be alone.
2: And unless my arms can hold you And tenderly infold
1: you I'm really twice as happy on my own Don't wanna
0: go- Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith does our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Shanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry, our music is from APM. Music from the Syracuse Ceremony by William Knuth and Ida Trubitska. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. Do you have favorite songs to dance to besides Tina Turner, or even to listen to in the house? We listen to Indigo Girls. Yes. You know, everybody's
2: favorite Indigo Girls song is Closer to Fine.
0: Well, I'm going Least Complicated... I'm going least complicated. I just find it very sweet. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.